Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. Welcome aboard, everyone, and to Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. I'm Suzanne Downing, and my co-host, John Quick, is on the other mic from Nikiski. Scott Levesque, our producer, is on the soundboard, and this is the place for conservatives to exchange ideas about Alaska politics. It's where Alaska politics is actually the talk of the town, on the last frontier, at least. So it's been quite a week in the news, John. Wow. Can you, can you tell me you that again? <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about, you know, how's the, how's the media doing? They're, they seem to have a really high temperature about the, the Trump coronavirus coverage. And what went down at the Alaska Republican Party meeting in Homer, which I was at this weekend. And we might talk about some of the local races that are happening in Alaska on Tuesday. And and then finally, I really hope we get to Matt Lakatla's unfortunate welcome mat to Republican candidate Leslie Becker. But first, let's talk about the poor media meltdown. It's just, they just cannot handle Donald Trump and how he has done with the coronavirus. It's like they want to curl up in the corner and just cry. It's pretty funny. It's anything that President Donald Trump does, the media does not know how to respond because Donald Trump is a guy that really could care less about the media. He, he thinks, I think, that any press is good press. As long as he's on the front page of every news, he's doing pretty well. And, uh, you know, no matter what he did, it's like all of a sudden the media became experts at like blood pathology and, and different things about COVID. No matter what he did, the media lost their minds and really couldn't figure out a way to be somewhat positive about the fact that, you know, we all should be praying for the fact that our president and the first lady should recover well. And they couldn't even do that. They pretty much just threw hate the entire time uh, at the Trumps. And there was really no ounce of respect to be seen anywhere on Twitter, on Facebook, and any of their articles. Everything uh, upplayed the fact that Donald Trump wanted to be positive, you know, or downplayed the fact that Donald Trump wanted to be positive about this kind of crummy situation. And then every time he did a misstep in their mind, they put it on the front page of news. Just, it's unfortunate. And it just shows that the media, the mainstream media is out of touch with reality when it comes to middle America. So he, so Trump spent a long, long weekend at the hospital and, you know, he had some ups and downs. It, it wasn't great. It looked like he'd taken a few punches. You saw him on the, the videos that he did. He did some really great videos where he looked a little pale, but he was a strong warrior just fighting through it. They gave him through some drugs. They gave him steroids. They gave him some supplemental oxygen. And then, uh, and then they said he was going to go home. And of course we know now that he went home. He went home in total beast mode. He walked out of the hospital. He got into his limo. They drove him to the helicopter and then he helicoptered over to the White House. And he just, he went in under his own power and he looked strong. I mean, he's been through a lot. COVID isn't easy. He looks strong, but uh, it's, it's hilarious because what the Associated Press ends up saying is 
uh, Trump got an unprecedented level of care well above what's available to average Americans. And you know what I have to say about that? No, duh. Of course, he is our president and he should get a, a good care. We want our president to live. But it's almost, you can read between the lines with these media people when they, when they respond on these things. They, they just don't want him to do well. They're, they're almost aspirationally hoping that he will get sicker. But we do have good medical care in this country. And as we go on, I don't know, I've been looking at what the numbers are in terms of the mortality rate for COVID, it may be about 6%. It is, a, it is a really a moving number though. At first they said it was lower than flu. Then they said it was 10 times the amount of flu that flu was, was um, have a mortality rate of. And now they're saying it's about 6%, but I don't think that they're done changing their minds about it. In the beginning, you know, um, they were saying that it's just, it's kind of just like having a bad flu. Now they say it's nothing like flu at all. So then you get, you, you have people like Jennifer Rubin at the Washington Post. Now she is just lost her, her mind over Trump. There's nothing she can say that's nice about him. First of all, she criticized him for driving to the, uh, to, to the hospital. And then she criticized him for taking a, a helicopter away from the hospital. But she says on her, um, on her post, Congress might want to defund the Walter Reed Hospital. It's a public health hazard. Dr. Connolly should lose his license. That's you know, I think it's just her opinions are a public health hazard because they're just <laughs> ludicrous. And, you know, I think that this is a, a point blank example of how out of touch these people are with folks. You know, Donald Trump is America's hero. He inspires hope. He's at Walter Reed and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are outside praying for him. You see biker visuals all across the United States of these hardcore bikers, these hardcore biker men and women who are riding their Harleys and, and holding visuals to pray for our president. And all these people can do like Jennifer Vote Early Rubin, all they can do is criticize and come up with crazy ideas like Walter Reed needs to be defunded. Uh, soon she will find out that just like much of uh, printed papers across America, her company is probably going to be defunded because people are going to be sick and tired of hearing the same old crap. If Obama did this, he would be praised for handling it so amazing and praised for coming out in his car and greeting people and praised for sending the people that were praying for him pizza like President Trump did. And really all these people have done is, you know, blown more smoke up their own agenda, uh, shown that they only have a bias in everything they report and, and shown that they don't like America. And, you know, they're consistent with that, at least. Yeah, I see what uh, Brian Stelter said on CNN. He said that Trump is almost saying he recommends getting sick by saying, I feel better than it did 20 years ago. Well, that's, you know, that's ridiculous. You know, Trump, Trump is just being a strong, you know, he's being actually a strong masculine figure and, and just sort of muscling through this. He's just simply not, um, not towing the, the party line for these guys. And you've got uh, people like Mark Noller saying that because he says he's feeling really good, and that he sounds like getting the virus can be a worthwhile experience. And that's not what he's saying at all. But, but really, Trump is trying to tell people, don't let it overwhelm your, your existence. Don't be afraid of it. I mean, it is here. We have to learn how to live with it. But uh, it, these people, they're just, um, they just have lost, they've lost control because they can't control this president. 
And it's funny if you go look back at like some of the press conferences where it shows just the White House press briefings where it shows five minutes after the press briefing ends, all the reporters take off their masks. They all rip them off. Yeah, that's right. It's all just for show. They all get up on their little, you know, podiums and talk about their masks. And then the second they think the camera's off, they all take them off and talk to each other and mingle just like they were beforehand. Right, right. And I was uh, I was reading what the White House uh, Correspondents Association said about him leaving the hospital, going for a ride around the block in his limo just to wave at his supporters. And they said it's outrageous for the president to have left the hospital, even briefly, amid a health crisis without a protective pool present to ensure that the American people know where their president is and how he is doing. I mean, who do they think they are? They are not a protective pool. Everything they write about him is trashing him all the time. I just want to say that when Obama ditched the the White House media and went to Hawaii for a vacation, they never complained. They just said, "Oh, that's so that's so nice." He went to he he slipped away from us, isn't he clever? Meanwhile, I just want to mention that um, when he gets uh, when he gets going here in the next day or so, he's still on, under quarantine in the White House. He's going to be in the map room and the diplomatic reception room, and that's in the official residence, so that's in their, their, where he lives with Melania. And he, so he's still under quarantine. He'll be working out of his house, basically. So, so switching so, to topics just a little bit, um, let's talk a little bit about the media obsession with the Republicans in Alaska, because it's really kind of similar. And we saw this uh, weekend, I went down to Homer, and I, I attended as a, you know, observer. I'm not, I'm not, a member of the state central committee for the Republican Party, but I went as an observer to see how um, the, the central committee meeting was doing in Homer. And it was all the way at the end of Land's Inn. And I got to tell you, John, you live in a beautiful part of the world. It's pretty amazing. And Land's Inn is probably one of the cooler hotels I've been to. It's literally into the spit in Homer, right on the water. And the history of that hotel is pretty magnificent. So I bet you had a blast there at that meeting. Yeah, I got to get back to Homer. Homer, I just a shout out to you. You are a nice town. You got great people. And there are a lot of activists down there. And some of them are even conservative. But I will tell you that about 50 or 60 people came. There was a, a, a sort of a banquet and auction. And then they auctioned off items and trips and lunches and stuff. And then they raised over $10,000 for the party. So then at the end of it, the auctioneers were Kelly Chewbacca, who's the commissioner of administration in the Dunleavy administration. And, um, and Senator Peter Machicki, they were the auctioneers and they did a great job. And I got to tell you that Kelly Chewbacca is hilarious. She has the best, most savage sense of humor. And so they were auctioning things off and we did a, a big crowd of a group selfie. Well, no sooner did that selfie get posted on social media when the reporter from the ADN started calling and he, he was texting Representative Sarah Vance and he was texting Senator Peter Machicki and he called Kelly Chewbacca and they're just, he was trying to round up a story about why you Republicans just won't wear your masks. And I mean, we were having dinner. I mean, we were having dinner and we were having an auction and every table, which was a, these were 10 tops. There were only five people seated at a table and it was, uh, yeah, some people wore masks like Senator Sullivan wore his mask almost the whole time. And, uh, and Kelly's, Kelly's husband, Nikki Chewbacca, he wore his mask almost the whole time too. And there were a few others that did as well, but most did not. And yet what you have is the nanny media uh, piling on and then the, the left-wing bloggers piling on saying, well, it's almost like they're asking for it. It's just really amazing. It's, it's, it's funny to me, to be honest, because 
I get asked often why I don't wear a mask. And, you know, I'll go to Walmart or the bank or whatever. And most people on the Kenai don't wear masks. If you go to Walmart or Fred Meyer, you know, there'll be some folks wearing masks. But I likened it to the same reason I don't wear knee pads and shoulder pads when I go to the mall. You know, do I have a chance of falling down or getting my knee boo-booed? Yes. But I'm not going to sit there and live in a, a fearful world where I'm literally in a bubble my entire life because I could fall down or I could get a cold or somebody could offend me or uh, Suzanne could kick me in the shins. My. I'm just, that, you know, Republicans aren't going to live in that fear. And they're kind of are done living in the sense that government wants to control your every aspect of where you uh, can and can't start going to church where you can and can't start. You I mean, we see this all over in the lower 48 where people are getting arrested literally for going to church still, or having a church service outside still people are getting arrested. And I yeah, think that, yeah. that the Republicans are primarily the pro Republicans I know that don't wear masks. They're just don't buy into the fact that government's trying to control you even through medical mandates. If my doctor told me that, I should wear a mask. I might listen to it. But if a government official who's not a doctor, who is not really factoring in the fact that there's only been two deaths on the whole peninsula, it, you know, I'm just not really going to listen to that. It's just not common sense. And it, it is not following the science because uh, the numbers don't lie. And we just haven't had that many reported hospitalizations, let alone deaths on the whole peninsula. Yeah, the, the, I was just checking. You, you've had even in the past 20 hours, you know, two cases on the Kenai and a hundred in Anchorage. So you just got to, wherever you are, you just got to behave differently depending on where you're at, because you, you might be at a place where you're in Anchorage and you're in a nursing home. You might want to be wearing a mask, but um, I've, I've seen an awful lot of people out on the trails where there's nobody around and they're wearing masks. And I just, that just makes no sense at all. I think that the Anchorage daily news should self quarantine for like five years and just not come out of their like basement or something because you know, they they love to report when conservatives or whatever do something wrong, not wear a mask. But you see them ever reporting anything about, you know, the fact that we had football games or every other restaurant on the whole peninsula was open and you didn't have to wear a mask. And, you know, they're not reporting on any of that. All they want to do is do gotcha moments for the Republicans. And that's why they want to report on this particular thing. Yeah, well, let's let's switch over to uh, something else going on in the Kenai. There's been um, there's a, a an election coming up on Tuesday, and it's pretty important on the Kenai. You've got a lot going on, and I wanted to know if you would tell us a little bit about what's going on with Proposition Two, and if there are any other races. But let's talk about Proposition Two on the ballot um, that's coming up for the Ke borough borough of Kenai, and it's it's a really important question. What's going on with that? It's very very important. So the assembly. In all the Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly and all their great vast knowledge decided that they knew better than the people. And so this has been voted on a number of different times on the ballot of do you want to switch to a primarily vote by mail uh, situation on the, in the borough. Now, some call it it's going to shift all the to vote by mail. Some call it a hybrid. But regardless, today they don't mail ballots to 50,000 people. If this ordinance were to pass, they would mail ballots to 50,000 people who don't have to ask for it. And so the assembly uh, voted to approve this ordinance without letting the people vote on it, which is the thing that I totally disagree with. And after 90% of the public testimony said, let us vote on it, not only let us vote on it, but don't pass this ordinance, we don't agree with it. The assembly said, eh, we're not really gonna care about public testimony. 
we're going to have this thing go through anyways. So they put it through uh, the great mayor of Kenai Peninsula Borough, Charlie Pierce, uh, who I happened to volunteer for his campaign, full disclosure, he vetoed that. He vetoed that in the assembly and they overrode it. And so uh, what we did as citizens of the borough, we said, eh, we're going to collect signatures. That was the only way to make this go on the ballot was we collected 1,500 signatures in like two weeks to make this go on the ballot. And so tomorrow, uh, if you want to uh, overturn this ridiculous ordinance you have to vote yes to overturn it on tuesday right so you have to vote yes to, to today yep. to, yes to overturn it because it is a uh, it's a little bit confusing you want you don't want to vote no and that might be the typical thing that some conservatives do you have to vote yes on this one right to overturn it and so that people can actually have their say maybe return to the drawing board and see if people really want to go to all mail-in ballots and actually uh, just as an aside the Supreme Court ruling on not so the Superior Court ruling on Monday, Danny Crosby of the Superior Court ruled on Monday that absentee ballots don't have to have a witness signature on them. So you can just no matter how many ballots you get at your house, you can mail them in and you can you don't have to have a witness on those. So it, it really opens the door to fraud. And it makes me worried that we're if we go to these all mail in elections that we're going to see a lot more fraud in the future. And how will we ever be able to guarantee that we have clean elections? I don't, you know, I, and I think that you raise a very good, very good point. And I think what we'll see today, uh, Tuesday, is that uh, people will come out and vote yes, and this ordinance will be shot down. Oh, that's and, right. and this will be another situation where this assembly, who's overseen by uh, Assembly President Kelly Cooper, has made time and time again situations that do not align with the people of the Kenai Peninsula Borough, but they continue to shove down these types of policies and the people had enough. That's why it took us two weeks to collect 1500 signatures because we knew what we needed to do. Yeah, and, that's amazing. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about the mayor's race down there. You've got Linda uh, uh, Farnsworth, uh, what's her name again? Hutchings. Hutchings, right, right, right. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm, she's got three names, and it makes it, it makes it hard for me. <laughs> and then you have Charlie Chuck Pierce, Charlie Pierce. So uh, he's the mayor of the borough now, and he's, he's he would be going into his third term. And Linda has tried to be mayor before, right? But no luck. Yeah. So she, Charlie's uh, mayor Pierce, had been on the assembly twice before, and and this is uh, his. Uh, he's had one term as mayor. This would be a second, and she ran against him as well as Dale Bagley, who was a previous P Kenai Peninsula Borough Mayor. And Charlie beat both him and Linda and had to do a runoff, beat Linda again. And so when he beats her today, it'll be for the third time, thank God. Oh, okay, okay, no bias there. Yeah, well, <laughs> well so now where is Election Central for you tonight? Are you, are you heading somewhere special or? So I'm gonna be waving signs with a group of folks. Uh, there's gonna be a big group in Kenai and there's gonna be a big group in Soldatna. I'll be waving signs in Soldatna. And then uh, at uh, Mayor Pierce's house, there's going to be a big celebration afterwards. Well, so just uh, good luck then on that today. By the way, uh, to, in Juneau, of course, there's an election also. Now, they have gone to an all-mail-in ballot. This was just something that they did without, again, without much public input. And they just decided that because of COVID, they're just going to mail the ballots out to everybody. And in Juneau, we have heard multiple reports of people getting five ballots in their, in their mailbox for people who used to live at those addresses. So you know there are a lot of ballots out there in the wild. They have mailed over 27,000 ballots out to Juneau residents. 
And it's crazy because there's only about 30,000 people in the whole town. So they're practically everybody's getting a ballot. But what's really interesting is they've had a 21% of those ballots returned already. And that is of uh, last Thursday. So it's going to be a high turnout in Juneau. Uh, the races are not very interesting there. Mainly you've got a liberal assembly and it's going to be another liberal assembly. There's, there's, uh, there's a, a couple of a bond issue that's kind of interesting. They asked a question that was completely biased question on their ballot, which should have been thrown out by the court. But it was about whether or not they should pass this bond because the city needed it so badly. They really made a statement about how important it was for people to pass it. It wasn't a neutral question. Well, before we sign off, I want to know if you read the story about what happened in Metlakatla. I did. That was crazy this weekend. You know, it's 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 kind of unfortunate, I think, because you know, um, she she gets invited. This candidate gets invited out to Metlakatla, and and it was kind of like a, another "I got you" moment for conservatives. She gets invited out and shows up with a couple, couple of the people that actually invited her out. And, and from the moment she steps foot uh, in this particular area in Metlakatla, she has greeted with protesters and is really all set up, at least this is what I'm reading online from a lot of the comments that have been spurred on by this article, is that this was all planned out and she was met with protesters. And not only was she uh, asked to leave, but she was yelled at and called a racist in the meantime. So this is um, the Republican candidate for House District 36 is who we're talking about. And her name is Leslie Becker. She is the former executive director of the Chamber of Commerce, and she is a sitting member of the Ketchikan uh, School Board. And so she went to Metlakatla at the invitation of a, a group of Metlakatla veterans, native veterans, and they wanted to hear what she had to say. And they didn't set her up. But when she got there, I mean, there, the word had gotten around. It's a small town, about 1,600 people. The word had gotten around, and they, they put a protest together. They not only put a protest together in, in Metlakatla, they actually put a protest together at the ferry terminal in Ketchikan. They thought that she'd go down there and get on the ferry. Well, she didn't. She flew over. But there was a, a group of protesters at the ferry terminal. So when she gets to Metlakatla, they all took over her meeting. She was just there to have a meet and greet. And boy, they took it over with their signs for Daniel Ortiz, who is the fake independent, who's uh, the current incumbent down there. And and then signs with her name with a slash through it. They were really very, very hostile to her, very rude to her, but she handled it pretty well. Um, the problem that they have with her is that she had, had, had published a prayer to heal the state of alcoholism and despair. And she's a very prayerful person. She's a Christian and she does a lot. Um, she does a lot with her church and she is a very sort of outward focused Christian with a very missionary type heart. And it's not unusual for her to pray for people, but they, they took offense because they felt that she was singling them out as natives and that she was saying that, that they were alcoholics, which of course they may not have been, but there is a lot of alcoholism in the native community. We know that. And everybody knows that it's just, uh, it's, there are whole programs to address that. It's such a huge problem. But the, the real thing was that she, they told her that they didn't want her in the longhouse because it was a sacred space. And I'm just here to tell you that longhouse was built in 1972. So it's, it's kind of not that old. 
and that they wanted her to get back on the plane and just leave their community. Well, fascinating to me that Metlakatla is a primarily Shimshin, Haida, Clinket community on Annette Island, and it is the only um, American Indian reserve in the state. But 40% of, of the people in Metlakatla are actually Republicans, and 60% are, are Democrats, are the registered voters. So they are, uh, it is a fairly democratic community, but not exclusively so. So she did have people that wanted to talk to her. She just wasn't allowed to, wasn't allowed to really have her say. She had to sit there and sort of defend herself a little bit. Yeah, I think the, one of the things that triggers the left like nobody's business is saying the name Jesus and praying. And I think that that is kind of what this boils down to is you see this all across the U.S., and now it's trickling into Alaska, where literally being a Christian, saying the name of Jesus, praying, will trigger folks to scream at you, yell at you, and call you a racist. Yeah, basically what they were doing is they, they told her she was a racist, and they asked her to apologize for her prayer, and she wouldn't do it. So uh, they kind of had to leave it at that. But it was, a, an, it was unfortunate, but I think it, it sort of tells you about where the state of dialogue is right now. And I will say this, at least they came and said it to her face. A lot of people hide behind the keyboard on, and they, they may comment on Facebook, and you've seen a lot of comments there. Uh, they may comment on Twitter, but they wouldn't say it to your face. Well, they, man, they came and it got right in her face and said it, that called her a racist. So that's about it for today's show, and I just want to thank you. Is there anything else that's going on there that we should, uh, should we be touching today on Tuesday? Get out and vote, everybody. This is a big deal uh, if you're in an election. Um, in any place outside of Anchorage, there's probably an election today. Anchorage does not have elections on Tuesday in October. But if you're somewhere in the Matsu or in Fairbanks, uh, throughout Southeast, Ketchikan's got a, a big election going on, please get out and vote. Thank you to John Quick for your great work at Must Read Alaska. And you, Scott Levesque, are awesome for producing this show and being a big part of our creative conservatives. A great team growing here at Must Read. So if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, thank you so much makes it possible for us to stand up for what's right in Alaska. And if you'd like to support the conservative side of the news, hit that donate button on the right side of mustreadalaska.com. Your support allows this project to stay strong and independent against the blue tide of big media. Till next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska. Take it away, Scott.